This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is a beekeeper who's running bees in the Big Apple. Though he's a highly experienced beekeeper, he still gains insights from the time he spends working with folks that are new to the hobby. But this is no hobby for him. His beekeeping business is expanding. Please welcome Nick Hefley, the NYC Beekeeper. That's so rad. Well, it's hard to imagine you going even bigger with everything that you have going on. Well, uh, there there are things that can go bigger. Um, uh, you know, that's that's really actually the thing about urban beekeeping is that there's no way to like just live on one thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's got to be you know we're producing some honey, but we're also uh, making some nukes and we're also teaching some classes and we're do- doing all this other stuff. Um, because there's not really a way that I can go out anywhere and have a hundred hives in a field. Uh, like, you know, some of the sideliners or commercial guys can, can do. Right. So. Uh, you have to diversify and hustle all the time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so Nick, tell me, I, I want to talk about a lot of different things today. Um, I am really excited about the bee conservancy. I think that's super cool. Um, I want to talk about all of the hives that you manage around New York. And you've been doing a lot of free online educational events for beekeepers, which is such a generous thing for you to be doing with your time. Well, you know, there's... Uh there was a time that I would have really enjoyed, you know, logging on and listening to someone uh, tell me about the ways not to kill my bees or to, <laughs> uh, you know, figure out like the the better way to do something or what not to waste my money on. Yeah. And um, there is, there's a lot of people, especially even just here in New York city that don't have the beekeeper community like you may have in other places. Uh, we don't necessarily have a um, like one particular bee club here. If you want to go mm. to a re- regular kind of uh, community-based bee club, you have to go outside of the city. Well, that's pretty wild. I mean, it's hard to imagine. I mean, for me here, just in the Portland metro area, there's three bee clubs just that I can think of off the top of my head. So it would be really weird to not have that. So you're filling a gap. You recognized a need and you're showing up for all these new beekeepers. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the way I learn uh, beekeeping or anything else is that if I can get to a point where I can kind of explain what I'm trying to learn, then mm-hmm. I feel like I've figured it out well enough and I can kind of move on to the next thing. And so a lot of these uh, events, these, um, live streams that I'm doing are, uh, you know, in part for myself because I, I end up learning, uh, from them too. It's not just, uh, 
me blabbering on about, uh, well, it's a lot of blabbering on, but <laughs> it's not just me um, telling people how they need to beekeep. There's uh, there's certainly people who jump in and, um, you know, explain how they do something. And mm. if, if you're a beekeeper, you know, there's like a hundred ways to do everything. So uh, I, I learn a lot from these as well. So it's, it's selfish on my part in a way too, but it's a lot of fun for everybody involved, I think. Well, that's amazing. Um, and over the summer we connected, well, last summer, um, you invited me to join you for a Facebook live Q and a session and it was so fun. Yeah, it's, you know, we, there's, so there's a lot happening on social media with, um, with beekeepers and there, there's kind of a newer generation of beekeepers who are really embracing it and jumping on TikTok and Instagram and all of this stuff. Um, and while I may be in the demographic that's kind of just missed that, I enjoy, you know, <laughs> jumping on that too. So yeah. um, we really try to do a lot of social media uh, sharing through uh, my apiary. And that's one of the things that um, we try to do is to, to get other folks on who are doing cool things and uh, to see just what's going on. So. Yeah. Well, can you give us just sort of a, an overview of what Aster Apiaries is all about and how many actual physical apiaries are you working with? And do you have people helping you or are you just running this all on your own? So, well, so Aster Apiaries is an urban bee farm at the simplest. Um, I do end up doing uh, the lion's share of the grunt work around. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in my pickup truck running around the city, um, climbing up ladders and going into backyards and all of this to take care of all the all of our bees. Um, currently, that has, that has just been me, but um, I'm hoping that this year uh, we'll have uh, an assistant beekeeper to come in and kind of take some of those sites off my plate so that I can focus on uh, some other projects that we want to do. But um, as far as the number of apiaries we have around the city, it uh, it varies, but um, we have a few in uh, Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. And then uh, I have some clients up in uh, the Bronx. So I kind of covered those boroughs. Um, I do have, uh, there's one site in Staten Island that I work with through the Bee Conservancy. So um, I do have like a toe out in Staten Island, but uh, <laughs> otherwise my days are generally uh, Queens, Manhattan, and Brooklyn when I'm running around. Well, I had a conversation with my friend, uh, retired officer, Darren Mays, and he told me that you always had his back. Like if he couldn't get to a swarm or something, he would call you and like, you were always there for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Darren was great. And I, I wish I had been a beekeeper a little bit longer here in the city before he'd retired. I was I was very happy for him, but also kind of sad that he was, uh, you know, he wasn't going to be um, running around the city like he like he was. But I know but I he's like running around in a different way now. I'm seeing him at all these big bee events on the East Coast. And oh, yeah, he's, he's jumped in and. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous of all the all the stuff he's doing, but um, but yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be kind of on a short list of beekeepers that he would reach out to, and um, you know you can't be in in every borough at once, and and if he was busy down in Staten Island or in Manhattan, and there was something going on in Queens or Brooklyn, you know uh, I got to go catch a couple of those swarms, and then there were even times that I actually got to go out with him 
to uh, oh. catch and swarm. So, um, did y'all turn on yeah. the sirens and everything in the car? Or is that, uh, just, I wish. that only happened in movies? <laughs> <laughs> it, was the, it was the most number of uh, uh, inmates they had in the back of that squad car, for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure what is it like doing urban beekeeping in a truly urban setting i mean i imagine you're doing a lot of rooftop beekeeping uh so there's there's a fair amount of that um there the, the biggest difference really between urban beekeeping and um, you know, something more conventional like suburban or rural beekeeping uh, is the fact that we just have a few different obstacles. It's not that it's necessarily more difficult or that it's better or worse, but um, one thing we do have to worry about with rooftops is uh, we have to deal with heights and ladders, yeah. and those are not always fun when you're bringing down a 60-pound a box of honey on your shoulder. Um, so I try to stick to stairs and elevators wherever we can, but, um, but we also don't have to deal with some of the problems that you might have to deal with outside of a city, like, um, large animals. Uh, mm -hmm. we have no bears running across the tops of our, uh, buildings. Um, we have some raccoons and some, and which who, they don't really bother the hives much. Uh, but at some of the locations that are like on the ground, we have, um, skunks. That's kind mm -hmm. of the worst of our... Uh, large animals, uh, but we still deal, deal with mites. We still deal with uh, moving heavy hives around. We, you know, all the same things that you might deal with outside of the city. There's lots, lots of overlap there. Do you have a special bee transport vehicle or no, you said you were driving your, your pickup truck. Well, uh, so I do, I just got a pickup truck last year. Um, and it's, uh, I, I got very lucky. The gentleman who was uh, who had it was looking for a new truck, um, and so he was he was happy to sell it to me. It is a bright orange Ford Ranger. Ooh! So it's a nice little small truck, but I can still get around and do what I got to do. And um, you can see me coming from a mile away. So oh, that's great. Uh, before that, I was actually uh, for like six or seven years, I was running hives around in the back seat of a Toyota Camry. Wow! So it was a very nice upgrade. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm just moving bees around in my Toyota Sienna. <laughs> I'm not a yeah. soccer mom. I'm a bee mom. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, it's a it, you know having a truck and and having the the just the ability to properly move things around and move a lot of stuff around at one time is just like a total life changer for me. It's, it's really, you know, made my job a lot more enjoyable and, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to get around to all these places that I got to get around to anyway. Yeah. Wow. Well, I had a rooftop apiary once and, um, it was really logistically painful to go and visit and bring equipment up and down a very narrow flight of stairs and it was hot it was so hot up there. We get some heat in the summertime. Uh, most of the rooftops that I'm on are actually painted silver, or um, in some cases, they're actually uh, like a finished rooftop with a walking surface and everything. So um, luckily, I don't I don't have too many like black top roofs that I'm on. But uh, regardless of the heat, you know, the hives do really well up there, and, yeah. and they're masters of that uh, temperature control inside. So do you really end up, do you end up having hive beetles on the rooftop apiaries or 
No. No, actually. So that's one of the other things that is a nice benefit of being up on the roof. Um, those beetles have nowhere to burrow into the ground to to pupate and to uh, yeah. become adults. So uh, that's not the same for our hives that are on the ground. Um, for instance, at Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, um, we've had years where the, the beetles really just like were trying to take over. Uh, and then even other places just outside of the city where I keep bees, um, you know, if we if we let them get crazy, we're, we're, they'll get just as bad as they might get down in the Carolinas or anywhere like that. Our, the season for them, it just isn't as long. So we don't mm-hmm. have to deal with them through the whole year. We're just dealing with them through uh, kind of the active part of our season. Yeah. Well, I watched a little video that you had done quite a while back about beekeeping at the cemetery and I would love to hear more about it or what it what it's like working with bees in a place like that a place of like remembrance a place of grief so my the first reaction I had to it the the first season I was there um it was a very strange place to keep bees because you do go in with this sense of uh reverence for the site um not only are there still funerals being held and, and still people be, being uh, buried there? There's people that have been buried there back into the uh, back before the Civil War. So it's also wow. a very historical site. Um, and so it was strange to not only do the bees there, but they also use it uh, very much like a, a park site. And there's some parts of the cemetery where they st- they'll hold events and they'll hold... Um, uh, some concerts or they'll put on tours no uh, and, and things like that. So it's, it's very, it's very, it's a very useful space for a city where every square foot is, you know, premium. Uh. They use it. Um, but the, the other thing about it too, is that it's, it is one of my favorite places to go to because it's almost 500 acres right in the middle of Brooklyn. So it's a wow. huge space and you can totally just get lost in there. You can get to a point where you don't see any uh, buildings, uh, you don't hear much traffic, and you're just kind of all of a sudden out in nature. There just happens to be a lot of these tombstones all around. Um, but it's it's just so interesting. There's, uh, you know, there's quite a few uh, notable or famous people who are uh, buried there. So, um, you know, there's... And lots of people just go there just to uh, enjoy the, the scenery. So... Mm-hmm. Um, we get lots of questions by people walking by uh, when I'm there with a hive open or with my suit on. And um, so we, we stop and chat with them and uh, uh, have a good time. But it's it's just like it's truly kind of a break in the the bustle, the hustle and bustle of the uh, of the city when I'm out. Hmm. Incredible. You also um, sell a lot of honey. Where do you process all of it? Where do you store it? So uh, we have uh, actually, so a lot of um, a lot of our business right now is contained in a uh, essentially an apartment. <laughs> um, we have a, a, a second unit on our house, and um, instead of renting it out to someone, it's rented out to uh, my apiary. Yeah, and so we. That's where we keep all of our inventory. Um, that's where we're harvesting all of our honey that we produce here in the city. 
Um, but as far as like our line of honey varietals and these other things, um, we have some good relationships with uh, some different beekeepers in different regions, and um, they're able to uh, to fill our jars for us. That's so um, amazing. Hopefully, we'll we'll be getting to like uh, you know a, a good commercial kitchen space uh, here in the near future, and yeah. able to kind of bottle stuff ourselves and really get into uh, all of that. But it's um, you know, we were doing it out of a single room for a long time, and that room got so packed. And now we're kind of in this apartment space, which is just a bigger room, uh, but it does have a little kitchen with it. So um, it makes it a little bit nicer to do that. But um, uh, yeah, we'll growing we're pains. Need space soon. Yeah, it's growing <laughs> pains. Sure. Um, I'm curious in like your dream of all dreams for what you could have for your business, what, what would that look like for you? Well, I mean, we're, um, we're kind of tracking in a, in a good direction as far as like growing, uh, over the last few years, people have really started to notice us and to, um, uh, the, our neighborhood is so great here. They, we get lots of support and lots of regulars, uh, making orders. So that's all great. Um, I, want to do, you know, more teaching, more um, uh, work with new beekeepers mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the, the beekeeper community here in general. Um, I don't necessarily want to, you know, organize a club, but uh, I, I would love to, you know, have have a little bit more community here, uh, with the beekeepers here in the city. So yeah. um, I'm kind of using my apiary to to, you know, help me provide that little social uh avenue for for myself you know again kind of there's a lot of things in this that's kind of selfish for me but uh i think other people get benefits out of it too so you know it's so uh, wild i think during the pandemic and not going to the b club meetings i mean i a lot of them did a great job at moving to online you know, we all adapted as best that we could, but not being able to just go and chat with people before and after the the meeting, um, I have felt like a really vast disconnect. And now that I'm plugging back in, um, it feels so good. All that excitement is coming back. Because it is important to have that, uh, that social aspect of beekeeping because yeah. our bees are social animals and they're not just sticking around with their hive mates they're going out and visiting other hives and other bees out there um and it's so important to to understand even what's going on in your in your local environment to know mm -hmm. when the nectar flow is and or if there's a a surge in in mites or um you know whatever the the problem is it's good to know if it's happening to you or to everybody or you know what's going on and, and that's a big thing and for, for those reasons, I, I do, um, uh, I am a member of the Long Island Beekeepers Club. So it's a, about an hour drive for me to go out to those oh, once a month, goodness. but it's totally worth it. And yeah. it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun to not only talk just about beekeeping, but there's a, the, the, the spectrum of people and ex, of experience that are at these clubs is something that you can't always get from uh, a YouTube video or a blog article online. So yeah, that uh, is, it's, been, that is so it's right. been so valuable to talk with these guys who have been doing it for 40 years, but also talk with these people who are like just getting into it. And, you know, it's, it's just a really good balance of, uh, of new, 
first of all, new friends, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, and then second of all, you know, learning different facets of beekeeping and understanding, you know, different ways that you might be doing something wrong or inefficiently and you can, you know, find more enjoyment if you just like change up you know, the timing of you do this or the way that you inspect this or even the type of tool that you use. All these things are, are things that come about because of conversations, not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, because you read them in a book or anything like that. Yeah. You are a certified master beekeeper. I am. Let's yeah, talk just about that. 2020. Wow. Uh, so, so I went through the program uh, through Cornell University. Okay. Uh, at Ice Lab, which uh, I highly recommend for anybody who is like, Get, gotten a hang of beekeeping and wants to like level up. Yeah. Uh, they have a great program. I know there's lots of other uh, universities and colleges that offer similar certifications. Um, but if you're in the Northeast, like that's a great one. Uh, but yeah, it's it was about a year and a half program, uh, all online, unfortunately, because, uh, uh, because of the pandemic. Um, generally, it's all online except for the final... Uh, tests that you have to go through and you do that in Ithaca, New York at the at Cornell. Are there like big portraits, like big oil paintings of Tom Seeley in the hallways and everything? <laughs> Everybody, you know, at EAS this past year, um, he it was in Ithaca and he gave a, a talk there and man, it was a packed uh, mm. audience for that talk. It was great. Um, but uh but yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do all my testing there, but we did it all remotely. And uh, it was it was such a great program. And it really like, you know, I'm I would have considered myself a decent beekeeper before, you know, it was hit or miss whether I was always getting colonies through the winter or, you know, if I was um, having my timing right with treatments or, or things like that. But mm -hmm. uh, man, it just kind of opened my eyes to um to really the the granular aspects of beekeeping and uh not only that but also how we can kind of share it with others whether it's other beekeepers or the public um and that has all kind of come full circle for even here in my business it makes me a much better communicator and um uh i'm a little bit more uh i don't want to say authoritative but i'm, I'm a little bit more you know, knowledgeable about certain things, or at least I can point people in the right direction. So yeah. um, I've been, I've been so happy to, to be a part of that program and to have gotten through it and uh, to be a master beekeeper. That's, it's a cool thing. Oh, that's so cool. So when you got your certification, did you like get a new name tag or something? <laughs> um, so I certainly have a new title on my business card, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, uh, they have a, a vendor who makes all of the merchandise, all the jackets and stuff like that. So I, I grabbed a couple of those, but, yes. um, it's not, I don't have a, a, you know, a giant sign on my back that says master beekeeper, <laughs> but it's nice, you know, it's nice to have it on the business card and, and a few other places. Yeah. That's so rad. Um, I would love to know like some of your very early, beekeeping experiences whether it's a blooper because you know i love to hear about beekeeping bloopers or maybe just something really special like maybe the first time opening a colony things really clicked into place for you or you knew like this is your destiny yeah you know 
I don't know that there was one particular moment that this was like it clicked and and I said, you know, I'm going to be a professional beekeeper. Yeah. Um, I started it as a hobby and it was a lot of fun. And I sold honey to continue the hobby for free. Mm-hmm. And then people, there were other opportunities that came and I just started saying yes to them. And, you know, I kind of found myself in this role at a certain point. Um, I will say there, I have a few memorable points that were, you know, pretty big as far as my, my track into beekeeping. Um, one of the first ones was actually the first swarm that I ever went to go catch or at least help catch. Um, and it was right here in my neighborhood. There was a friend of mine who knew that I was, uh, taking that I had some hives and she was walking to the bus stop one day and right next to the bus stop, there was a, uh, monster swarm. We're not talking about the little, you know, three pound, five pound swarm that's hanging off of a tree branch. This was on the side of a fence. Um, and, uh, it was probably upwards of, uh, like eight or 10 pounds of bees. It was like multiple swarms. Uh, it turned out that there was a gentleman whose fence that they were on, uh, he kept a few hives right there and his, his bees in the morning, he realized that they were swarming. He went outside to watch the swarm fly away and he looked around he didn't see it, uh, where it landed. Well, they didn't fly far. They flew maybe 30 feet and they landed just on the other side of his fence on a big post. And so there was, it was like a beard all the way down this post. So, uh, my friend calls me and says, there have been this, all these bees are just hanging on this fence all day long. Nobody has come by. The cops haven't done anything. People, it's it's at a bus stop. So people are like right there. She's like, somebody's going to get stung. Somebody's, something's going to happen. Can you come and help? And before then I, I've, I had watched so many videos. I had kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I had not done it myself. So I got all the stuff that I thought I needed. Uh, I got a box, I got all this stuff. And I went up, um, before I did anything, I knocked on the guy's house and just let him know like, Hey, you have a lot of these bees up here. Uh, You know, I'm a beekeeper. I'm going to attempt to get them all in this box. And that's when I found out about his story about the swarm leaving his hives. So luckily he came out with me and, um, we, I helped him get them all back into, uh, another hive for him. So, um, that was a really, yeah, we got, we saved them and put them back right, uh, and like, hold up. You were very generous and not being like, well, I am here to get them and I'm going to keep them. Well, Hey, you know, that was my first, again, that was my first catch. And it was, uh, I was just as nervous as as anybody and Aww. so i was just happy that i didn't cause anybody to get stung but i was Nick, happy that, i think that that yeah. right there speaks to the kind of wonderful human that you are oh well thank you <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh well you know this goes back again i i uh, a lot of stuff in my life is is uh does kind of come from a place of you know trying to figure things out myself or again, being a little selfish. And that was, that was just that opportunity to, for me to like go and try to catch a swarm, even though I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, uh, things could have gone very, very wrong or very bad. Yeah. Uh, they didn't. And 
Since then, I've caught many swarms and I've gotten better at it. And so uh, those swarms, I'll keep all those from now on. You know, but that first one, it was it was fine for him to take it because of all the excitement and all the just figuring things out. That yeah. was that was what I wanted to do. Um, so, and I don't know that I necessarily had a great place to bring those bees to. I was just trying to help my friend at the time. So wow. Uh, What's your favorite swarm tail? Or, or more, most challenging swarm you had to collect. I think it would be weird to be collecting a swarm in a really populated downtown area with a lot of people either obliviously walking through your work area or just standing there watching. Well, the, the one thing about New Yorkers is that, that it takes a lot to uh, make them turn their head. <laughs> uh, and sometimes swarms don't even do that. Uh, oh lots of folks, I've, I've uh, caught more than one swarm that has been hanging on a stoop or uh, on steps right next to, um, you know, a street on in 23rd Street in Manhattan, uh, right near the Flatiron Building or um, down in Brooklyn, you know, and it's, it's interesting the kind of people out because there's some people who come out and they are all about it and they want to save the bees and they'll will put up, uh, they'll write up signs, please don't exterminate, please don't do all this stuff. And they they have it set up so that when I get there, I am I just walk in and, and vacuum up the bees. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other times, you know, there'll be a swarm just buzzing around like crazy. People are walking down the sidewalk like there's nothing there. They, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bother them, you know. But that's just kind of that kind of New York City sensibility that, you know, something's so much crazy stuff happens in the city. It's it's really got to be something to to make people take notice. Wow, are you from New York? No. Okay, I was gonna uh, say you so, don't really have like that New York accent. No, no, I've I've been in the city now for about thirteen years. Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Louisiana, Shreveport, <gasps> Louisiana. Really? Yeah. Um, and then I I also lived in Orlando, Florida for a little while yeah. before moving up here. But, um, you know, I've lived up here for, for the 13 years. Uh, my wife and I have had some kids up here. So I feel like I've earned my New York uh, card at this point. Oh, well, totally. But, uh, you are the NYC beekeeper. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine doing this anything anywhere else. There, we, I've had talks with my wife about, you know, maybe one day we'll move upstate or we'll move somewhere. And she yeah. always says, you know, you could have so much space for your hives and everything. But there's something special about uh, being able to do something as novel as this, uh, in a city like New York. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's nowhere else you can do it. There's other big cities and there's other, uh, you know, people are doing urban beekeeping in, in all kinds of places. Uh, but the fact that I can go out and, and pull a swarm off of, uh, you know, an old brownstone, or I can go and climb, uh, climb to the rooftop of like an old church in Midtown. And, you know, there's something just real special about everything else that goes along with it the history the 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 stuff that's happening around you and then yeah. there's also the bees i so. think this is something that is just so special about being a beekeeper just in general you get to have these really unique adventures but to do it in a place like new york city um that's really cool it's so something else that's really cool about it is the fact that i do get to um, kind of go behind the scenes in a lot of places where just the regular public doesn't. Um, and whether that's uh, if there's a swarm that uh, there have been swarms where 
uh, our friend Darren couldn't get down to, and I, I went to, and there was like a, an officer posted up keeping people away. Um, and so they, they bring you in and you get to drive your truck up onto the sidewalk and you go over and, you know, like you get to do things that you just can't do as a, as a, just a regular person walking around the city. Um, I get to go up into the tops of buildings that only like, you know, they send maintenance people up there and then all of a sudden they were going to put hives up there. So I'm, I'm now one of the people who get to go up there. Uh, and you know, all the views from, it's hard to find a bad view when you're on top of a building in Manhattan or uh, really anywhere in the city, if you if you can see anything, it's it's a good view. So um, I'm I'm very lucky to have that kind of backdrop to uh, to my job. So cool. I mean, beekeeping is so regional. Um, but what are some of your I don't know best practices or tips that you have for folks that are maybe in their first three years of beekeeping? So. Uh, the biggest thing in your first few years is to know other beekeepers, first of all, uh, because you can do it alone. And certainly in my first year, um, while I, I did beekeeping with a friend, it was, uh, you know, I didn't have a club to go to. I didn't have uh, a community like that. So if you have that available, jump on that. As far as uh, like technical things and, and the actual beekeeping of things, there's uh, the biggest thing is timing. And that is totally uh, specific to your location. So you might be down in Texas where you have uh, basically beekeeping year round. Um, But if you're up near me or if you're up in Canada or if you're up in any of these other colder places that at least have a winter, um, there's going to be a very specific time that you have your nectar flow. There's going to be a very specific time that you have your swarm season and your uh, when your mites build up on you and, uh, you know, times to treat. And so for me, the best thing is to like write out my timing, figure out my season mm-hmm. and uh, plan accordingly so that I'm a little bit more proactive instead of reactive. So that's, <sighs> that's, timing that's is, a is, wonderful that's, like perspective shift. And I've been thinking right. about that in a lot of other applications, like what's a reaction and what is a response? They're a little bit different. Absolutely. And that's the, the first three years I think I was beekeeping um, because it, in, in all honesty, I've only been beekeeping since about 2016. <gasps> Me you too. Know, I haven't been, Look right? at us so, now. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've, we've been doing it long enough and, and I think we've figured some things out, yeah. but uh, we also haven't been doing it for 20 years. We haven't been doing it for uh for that long and and there's lots of things in beekeeping that you only get to do one time per year and then you have to wait a whole year to try out a different way to do it mm-hmm. so the better you can get with your timing and figuring out when you expect the bees to do the thing that they're going to do um the better you can react to it uh the better you can be prepared and, and ready for it so uh, that was a big shift for me when i figured that out after three or four seasons. Yeah. What is your favorite beekeeping task? Ooh. Um, I mean, just general inspections are really great, especially when you find the queen. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate when I find her on the first frame. Yes. Uh, There's something just (laughs) satisfying and like, especially when you like, a lot of times I'll pull out a side frame and then I'll just kind of go across the box. Uh, 
But the times when you can like just pull out that middle frame and she's just right there waiting for you, man, it's like uh, perfect chef's kiss right there. Yes, totally. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. I've had that intuition too where I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to look at this frame and then it's the money frame and there she is. Exactly. And it makes it, you can, you can check that maybe one or two other frames just to make sure they're, everybody's looking good, but then you don't yeah. have to bother that hive too much. You can move on to the next one. Um, so that, that's, that's like, I, I wish that happened on every hive. I know. Um, sometimes she's on the very last frame that you look at. <laughs> or sometimes or not, not at all. all. <laughs> I don't, I can tell you how many times I've gone through and, you know, I've looked through a hive three or four times and not founder oh my so, gosh yeah it's it there's there's lots of good things i mean it a, there is a lot of fun for me in the teaching aspect and also uh when we hold like um uh tables when we put when we put up tables at uh craft fairs or farmers markets uh -huh. um there's a lot of fun in introducing people to uh to honey really to the bees are cool and if you have an observation hive there that that just like it's got all the attention, but so many people don't realize that honey isn't just one thing. It's like a whole world mm -hmm. and you start sharing that. And it's like, um, there's something really special about that. I read this, uh, little blip the other day that was talking about why don't we look at varietal honeys the way that we look at varietal wines? Um, why isn't the land that the plants were grown from, more celebrated why isn't the region that the honey was you know curated from why isn't that more celebrated so that would be such an interesting thing if honey were viewed with the same lens that we view wines from it you know there there are more and more people who are coming around to that um there are other countries who are already have figured that out Italy is one of those that just like their prosciutto or their cheeses or wines, where they have specific uh, uh, policies and, and gradings of all, all of them, uh, they do the same thing with honey. And so um, little bit by little bit, that is kind of coming over here. I don't think our government is going to rush to have a grading system for honey, but um, there are organizations and people who are uh, bringing those um sensory analysis classes to yeah. uh, uh, us um, and doing doing more work like that. And I think it's becoming more and more known. And as uh, you know, even more people like you and me who get out there and we talk to people and through your podcast and all of that, um, more of the the common the regular person out there, uh, they'll start to understand that more. I yeah. think stores are carrying more different types of honeys and uh, there's just a lot more kind of exposure to it uh, these days as opposed to even 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Bee Conservancy. Speaking of organizations, what is it and what do you do there? So the Bee Conservancy is uh, a great organization that advocates for uh, not only pollinators, uh, bees of all kinds, but um, they also try to do work for uh food justice and um, communities that may not have the same opportunities or privileges that um, uh, other communities have. That's so, incredible. Um, a lot of their work is is uh, to 
educate, really. Uh, and what they they came to me, uh, I guess, two years ago now to um, help them with their uh, bee sanctuary sites. So they run a number of sites around the city where um, they teach people about pollinators and uh, several of the sites have honeybee hives there. So um, I was actually hired as the apiary manager and I uh, oversee the beekeeper team that actually manages all the sites. So you're like so, the boss, the bee, the bee boss. I'm, I'm the bee boss there. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, my, my main thing is that I'm not necessarily uh, doing every inspection with them, um, but for the beekeepers, if they have issues, mm -hmm. uh, then I can be there to kind of help them troubleshoot them. Uh, if we need equipment, uh, I'm, I'm the one making sure we have things ordered and ready for all the beekeepers. Um, and uh, in general, they've been very gracious in letting me be a part of the uh, of the organization and helping them kind of craft the different programs that they're putting together um, with, you know, with all of the things that I've uh, gone through the first, the last few years with the master beekeeper program and um, the, all the teaching that I do and everything. Um, they've, they've been very nice to let me uh, kind of lend, lend my own kind of opinion to what they're doing and, and kind of, uh, help them shape things, um, hopefully for the, for the best. Yeah. So, Are they primarily, uh, like a local regional organization? They or are, so they're based here in New York city. Um, the bee conservancy is a, is a national organization and really actually international. Um, they, they also do things, uh, in some other countries, but, uh, the focus is, is kind of here in the Northeast um, and then over the last couple of years, they've been doing, uh, putting out some scholarships for uh, people to become master beekeepers, for uh, people to become beekeepers. Wow. So I know this year there's um, a number of uh, awardees in their food justice program where they're actually giving hives to these different community gardens and um, putting some of these uh, people through uh, beginner beekeeping courses um, which if anybody's interested in, in checking that out, I'm sure they're going to run it again next year. Uh, but you can go on their website and they have the whole list of all the awardees who uh, who got it this year and, um, you know, how you can apply for that and everything. So it's really they're doing really great work uh, uh, in that. And, and a, another big thing, which I, it's so I, I do see it a lot more here than in other places, but um, beekeeping is such a. A diverse field, but a lot of times we're only seeing like um, the old guys running it, or the old, you know. And yeah. there's there's all these women, there's all these uh, uh, indigenous and and you know BIPOC uh, folks who aren't who aren't represented, and they're getting yeah. represented more and more. So the um, Bee Conservancy is doing great work around all of that. Awesome. I'm going to include a link to their website on uh, beekeeperconfidential.com and in the show notes. So if people want to go and check it out, if they want to donate uh, any of that, they can go and do that there. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Nick, for your time today. Yeah, well, You're thanks like for having me cool on. You're such a cool guy. I'm, I'm I wish flattered I could, to be. I wish I could go hang out and be your bee buddy with you. Well, you ever come to New York, you got to look me up. Okay. So let okay. me know. <laughs> I need to go on tour one of these days. For real, you should you should do uh, live recordings. 
To learn more about Nick, visit beekeeperconfidential.com where I've included links to his website and socials. I hope you and your bees are doing well. And as always, thanks for listening. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is written and produced by Mandy Shaw. Did that conversation put you in a New York state of mind? Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop on a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York state of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs>